Thank you for joining us on the Underdog Podcast, the place where we believe at one point in your life, you were an underdog and overcame adversity. And for that reason, we want to hear your story. I am your boy, Calvin Blackman. And I am Kyle Decker. This episode is powered by the Job Center Staffing. Hey, Black, do you know what an underdog is? I do, Deck, but let's just spell it out for everyone else from the get-go. Well, an underdog is a competitor or person thought to have a little chance of winning or succeeding during a moment in their life. At one point in your life, you have faced a hardship making you an underdog. Just think about it. Good point. UDP was created to share positive stories. We have had the privilege to work with the best in the game. Ryan Hawk, host of the global podcast, The Learning Leader. And Ryan even took time out of his personal and professional life to mentor and guide us through the development and launching of the UDP. It is with great honor for our first episode, numero uno, to have Ryan interview us. Black and Decker, diving deep into our underdog story and our why. As Ryan often says, it's time to go all in. All right, let's get it started, guys. It's good to uh, to join you, and thank you for having me be kind of a guest host here. I'm honored to get a chance to talk to you guys and learn a little bit more about both of your stories and why you're doing this and why you do what you do in general. And I'm I, I as I was preparing for our time, was just really curious as we get started to first learn a little bit about some of your upbringing and perhaps the people that have impacted you most, because I think that paints the picture as to why you are the way you are today. So Kyle, let's start with you come from a, you know humble beginnings back to your grandparents. And as, as I was reading that you moved six times in the first 16 years of your life as a person who didn't move at all growing up, I'd have to imagine that that has impacted you and created perspective that has to have been helpful. So could you share a little bit more about your upbringing, all of the moves and how that's impacted you as a leader? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, thanks for, mm-hmm. for being here as well. And yeah, to go about my story, um, definitely humble roots. My grandparents are actually my grandpa still farmer, age 87 still wow. in Northwest Ohio. Uh, my dad grew up in a town called Mount Blanchard that doesn't have a stoplight. My mom, uh, Wharton, Ohio, like I said, uh, still on the farm. And uh, they grew up in a very rural town, K through 12. Everyone went to school. There's probably a hundred of, of those uh, um, you know, folks in their school from K to 12. And, and they grew up on very, very old school, um, very disciplined approach to life of, you know, very simplistic way of, of on the farm. And, and um, you know, to, to me, you know, having that upbringing from my grandparents to my parents, you know, that foundation that my parents set for me um, of, of, you know, respecting others, treating people the right way, and really just going to work and doing what you need to do, whether it's at school or sports, you know, they said, if you start a sport, you're always going to go through it, no matter how, you know, the adversity you hit you know, you're going to make it through. So when it came to moving to, to go on to the point that really helped, you know, I think develop me in my career uh, to this point and develop me as a, especially a young child was those six moves to reference those from Ohio to Texas, to Virginia, to Pennsylvania, back to Ohio, six times in the first 16 years of my life. And then going to school after that, and then coming to Cincinnati. So almost eight, eight times in my first 20, 20 uh, years of my life. Um, I always had to reestablish myself. So 
going from Ohio to Texas, whole different culture from Texas to Washington, DC, outside of Virginia, completely different culture. And each time I, I, I didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. So I had to go into an environment that was obviously geographically completely different than the previous spot in different ages and different cliques and groups. And it was very difficult and I had to reestablish. And, and sometimes, you know, um, there would be kids, I would say not necessarily got bullied, but, um, that would look upon the new kid as, you know, who are you, what they, you know, they always try to establish mm-hmm. myself. So I had to step up and, and not necessarily get in fights and different things like that, but I had to establish like who I was and not, you know, if they're trying to pick on the new kid, like I had to step up and, and reassure, you know, so I always was trying to, um, define that in, in, in my moment in these new environments, which definitely made me a lot stronger for who I am today. I would think that you had that you, you mentioned the word reestablish. Um, and it's tough growing up, even if you stay in the same place. So having to, to constantly almost reinvent yourself, meet friends, how has that helped you as someone who, as a leader now of a business, you have to probably be a good conversationalist. You have to understand how to earn respect quickly, how to earn credibility. What did you pull from those times having to regularly reestablish that has now helped you as your as in your current role as a leader here? Yeah. So each, as you mentioned, each time, um, you know, I would say it was having that mental approach really at an early age, I had to figure out, okay, Hey, I'm about to go in this new situation. So I said, I think it mentally developed my preparation uh-huh. as crazy. It sounds as a first grader coming into, you know, a new school from Texas to, um, Virginia at that time was okay. Hey, I experienced this before. This is what's going to happen potentially. So visualization of like, okay, Hey, I'm about to go into a new school. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know who the big bully in the school is or who, uh, the teachers are, or the type of, you know, athletes, because I played sports. So it was just kind of preparing control what I can control. Say, hey, this is, I know who I am as, as even as an early child. And so I'd say a lot of like the preparation mentally of saying, okay, what am I get each move I had to prepare? How am I going to get into it? Visualize, okay, hey, how do I see myself? Um, you know, first day at practice, a lot of times I'd go into these, into the new school and, you know, it'd be basketball season or football season. And it was like jumping right into day one. You know, I was picking up, you know, my jersey and going into practice. And I'm like, okay, I got to get ready to scrap. You know, coaches don't know who I am. They don't even know what type of player I am. The players, you know, they're going to have to feel out and just say, hey, you know. And so I think that that edge I had to bring was a, a, a side of confidence as well, um, it, which each time, and, and it, you know, the risk taking a little bit of, of, I think that's helped develop in my career of coming in with an edge and saying, okay, hey, it's, it's fight or flight. You know, my back's against the wall. I'm coming in and uh, each of those moves, it, it really, t- and as the older I got was the harder the moves were. So, um, you know, I think each developed uh, group of folks in each community, the older you get, the tighter that knit is. And I would say that was something that was really difficult. And my last move from Pennsylvania back to Ohio was a sophomore in high school mm. and I was coming off of elbow surgery and, uh, I was devastated, you know, football and, and athletics were everything and, and having a pin put in my elbow as a, 15 year old and not knowing, uh, how I'd come back going to a new school. And a lot of my, um, uh, <laughs> you know, myself was created around sports and, and, uh, I didn't know, you know, how I was going to respond to that. And then coming in a new environment, a small town outside of Columbus, Ohio, um, you know, I wasn't met with open arms. Mm-hmm. And so I really had to come through that. And, uh, you know, I think I credit a lot of that mental toughness and preparation to, uh, all those moves. Hmm. Calvin, let's shift to 
part of your upbringing um, and the, the unexpected passing of your dad, uh, you know, I have not experienced that. And I, so I, I can't even, uh, I, I think it's hard to even uh, empathize with, with how that would feel. What impact did that have on you as well as your relationship with your mom and your upbringing uh, when that unexpectedly happened? Uh, so he passed when I was eight years old. So I was in the second grade. Uh, it was a freak accident. And at that age, like I remember where I was. I remember some events. Like I remember parts of the funeral and different things, but I don't remember a lot of the specifics. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really hit you until you start to get older as you start to grow and, you know, being involved in sports and schools. Like I remember having like, was it parent teacher conferences mm -hmm. and not having my dad come for the first time. And it's like, it, it's a shock. And then you start to grow up and you start realizing you see all these kids with their fathers and it's just like, you know, but you don't truly grasp that. Um, and it wasn't really until, to be honest, in the last few years that I've had kids, mm -hmm. my dad was only 42 or maybe 43 when he passed. Mm. I'm four years away from that. And with having kids now, I look back at that now and I realize, wow, he was young. Mm -hmm. And I just value so much more my time with my kids because you're not promised tomorrow. And my mom did a tremendous job, you know, with me being eight, she had just, my oldest sister was a senior at UC, University of Cincinnati, and my other sister was just a freshman in college. So to lose her husband, her partner, yeah. to have three kids, you know, to, that she's got to raise, you know, I, I, I like, now as an adult, <laughs> yeah, I realize how hard that truly was, you know. And and for me, I think sports really what saved me because that was my outlet, my go to. My mom really kind of gave me the freedom to do what I wanted as far as sports, and she made sure whatever sport I wanted to play, she supported me and made sure that I was there. And so I think that's really kind of what's shaped me to where I am today. So, what about the having a uh, male leadership figure in your life? Who played those roles for you? Was it your mom doing both? Was it football coaches perhaps? I mean, how how were you impacted by male leaders? So my oldest sister, uh, my brother-in-law, her husband, they've been together since I was six months old. Wow. So he's been an impact, he's been an influence in my life ever since I was a child. Um, and he's just a tremendous guy. Anyone, I know Kyle's met him. A lot of people have met my brother-in-law and they say, you know, he's just a great guy. And I'm like, I've heard this for 37 years of how great of a guy he is. You know, he he actually ran track at Miami. Um, so when I had committed there, that was just something special for him because wow. it was almost like I was following in his footsteps. So he's been the one that's been there for me, you know, for advice, you know, for someone I can turn to. I, to this day, I pick up the phone and call him for questions and advice, leadership. He's done a tremendous job with, you know, just being a true family man with my nieces and everything. So I would say him, I would say um, my high school football coach, Coach Place um, as well. You know, he's someone that I still can reach out to to this day. He's afforded me some job opportunities when I was coaching. Um, and then, of course, my mother, you know, she obviously playing both roles. She actually had to retire in 1990 from work. So because of a back injury. So she was always home. So she played that. I think she kind of played that role, too, as both mother and father. So interesting. I like to, to shift gears and talk about you two as a couple uh, because I'm I, the man. You're the man. <laughs> 
<laughs> that out there. <laughs> uh, I've, won't got go to, there. I've got to <laughs> refrain from I've got that. To experience this now for I don't know. We've got we reconnected over a year ago now. I feel like and uh, Calvin and I, since we played together at Miami uh, briefly uh, until I lost the job uh, to to a better player and unfortunately had to transfer. But um, I, I guess initially, other than being Miami guys. What is it about? I'll start with you, Kyle. What is it about about Calvin or Circus, as I like to call him, and we call him. I don't know if you guys still call him that around here. I do. Um, what is it about him that that said I, I want to work with this guy? Or, or, or I know you've you've gone out of your way, and maybe you could actually tell that that story quickly of of how you reconnected and how he he helped you out so much in a time that was really tough. Yeah. So um, I was actually living out of state, coaching uh, in Indiana, and then I was wanting to move home. And so I moved back home and uh, got a job at the local high school here where the, you know, the head coach at the time said, you know, there's a guy on the, on the staff named Kyle Decker. You may know him. And I was like, yeah, I remember him, but we didn't have a lot of communication, you know, uh, interaction in college. Cause I was on my way out as he was on his way in. Um, but it, as soon as I got there, being a Miami guy, being a quarterback, me being a former receiver, the, we just, we, the connection was there. Um, and then about a year later, um, you know, I was working at the high school and I unfortunately had a seizure, never had a seizure in my life. Uh, thankfully they said I should never have one again, but it was scary. Um, and you know, with all the follow-up, one of the things they told me was, you know, you're not able to drive. And I was like, well, I've got to get to work. Um, and Uber wasn't really an option at the time. So, um, you know, <clears throat> reached out to Kyle somehow, or obviously we were friends. And so, you know, he said, Hey, you know, I have a place you can, you can stay here for as long as you need. So I'll never forget telling my mother that. And she said, those are the type of friends you need, you know? And I was like, you're probably right. You're probably right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, spent some time with him for a couple of weeks. He was actually dropping me off of work on his way to work. So, uh, you know, I think that right there kind of solidified, you know, you know, the person that he is. That's incredible because it's, it's easy to be friends when things are going really well, right? It, the, those are the tough times when you, you really need somebody. What is it? I mean, what is it at that moment that made you want to take Calvin in and help him and drive him and, and have him stay with you. Uh, I don't, you guys weren't working together at the time. Like, so you're just as a friend. So what, what, what was it at that time? Yeah. And actually, I mean, it's great that we're talking about this because you kind of forget about the foundation of a relationship Yeah, and to think back um, to, about that moment and, you know, put us back in that situation, you know, really we just had started to become friends. And, you know, even though like, as Calvin said, he was coming out of Miami university and I was coming in, we had a lot of mutual contacts and still didn't really know each other a whole lot, but you know, right off the bat, I'd say love at first sight, but <laughs> I guess it could be, it was just, you know, I saw, you know, I, I saw a guy in need, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we always talk about it. I'm sure the teams you had, the brotherhood, whether mm -hmm. we know, uh, know that individual or not like when there's a guy in, in need or a teammate in need uh i'm gonna do my best to try to be there for him and like i said i started to get to know calvin quickly uh on the staff and what he was doing and, and we just had a lot of open conversations early and uh he didn't ask for anything um but i felt like there was a i i, I saw the variance and you know when he had the seizures and and he was kind of um i felt as though he was lost in his career a little bit you know, coming back from Indiana, uh, coaching college football, trying to figure it out. And, you know, I knew at that time, um, you know, I didn't have all the answers, but I was going to do whatever I could to try to help him. 
And that's when I offered for him to, to stay with me, to get him to work, uh, because I really wanted him to get back on his feet. And I felt like he really needed that. Wow. Um, what did that mean to you in that moment? I mean, the world, because, you know, it's, I was lost in my career. You know, they said that the seizures, they did all the tests and everything came back, you know, negative, thankfully, but they did say that uh, they believed it was from stress. And really? I think with moving back, you know, had a little girlfriend at the time, we had split up, uh, you know, trying to find what my next job was going to be because substitute teaching and coaching high school football wasn't paying the bills, you know, so there was a lot going on there and, you know, and, you know, I never said any of those things and I didn't, you know, but for someone to recognize, I didn't even know he recognized that until now, but you know what I mean? So it meant the world, you know, because he didn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was a bridge. I think I stayed with him for probably two weeks, but that there like was, I mean, yeah, I can't say enough about it. So you then chose to hire Calvin as well. And you're not, you're not running a charity here. This is a business that needs to earn a profit and revenue. So you don't just hand out jobs. People have to earn them. You have to see that he's going to bring value. What what made you hire him? Yeah, and we actually talked about the time. Um, I told him, you know, we kind of talked at the, you know, a couple years went past. So from the time we uh, he lived with me for a couple weeks to the time that he's joined the organization. Uh, about five years. Five years went by because I told him, I said, you know, you got to figure out you know, what you need to do in your career. And I gave some advice um, and he started following, following, I think some of those things uh, on his own. And then I think some of the things I had recommended and went to some different jobs to, to, to establish himself. And I said, when you're, when you're ready, let's have it, let's sit down and have a conversation. Um, I don't want to just you to jump into the organization because you need it. Like, like to your point, like I want this to be a long-term sustaining uh, career for you and, and very viable and, and something you can help take this company to the next level. And so after those five years passed, I, I think we both recognized it was just kind of a natural, I guess, sequence of events where then we said, okay, Hey, there was a need. I felt like that fit Calvin. I reached out and he said, all right, you know, I'm pretty interested. And so then at that time, um, we decided to, I guess, you know, come together and, and make this thing happen. What made you, when you decide to take a job and work for somebody, you're essentially hitching your wagon to them. You're putting some of some of your livelihood in their hands. Now you have ownership and you're empowered, but he's the guy. Why? Why did you say, yeah, I want to work with and for Kyle. I want to work here alongside them. I think so if you rewind a little bit, I think we kind of had this conversation, I believe, probably three years prior. And we were like, it kind of came up, but it was like, yeah, like but you go. You, you need to go out and kind right, of figure some things way. out and earn some of the respect that that he needed to see that you could develop on your own. Absolutely, and and I, to be honest too, um, my wife, you know, one day had said, you know, as she had had met Kyle, and she was like, you know, have you ever thought about working with Kyle? I was like, we've talked about it, but you know, just kind of pushed it aside. But I think at the time I was just at a crossroads, so. I, I was establishing my career. I was doing pretty well with, with, with what I was doing, but I had just had my first daughter and I wasn't happy in my career and I knew I had more to offer. I knew I had much more to offer. Um, and you know, one option was going back to school, but I said, you know, where can I truly add value and work with people, coach people and have an opportunity? 
And I didn't know where that was going to be, but I think I know I remember like it was yesterday. We were having a conversation on the phone, and he might have sensed it in my voice. And that's kind of when it, he had kind of brought it up and said, "Hey, there may be an opportunity." And I said, "Listen, if there's an opportunity, like I'm 100% serious. Like this is something I want to do." So, um, you know, I, again, I I have watched him grow in his career. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I knew I was like, not only had he helped me in the past, and he's a genuine guy. I was like this is somebody I could see myself working with because working with a friend can definitely be, diff- be yep. difficult, you know? Yep. And we recognize that. Mm-hmm. But I think we also had that connection from being one of the guys playing sports. We understood. I know his mindset. I figured he would understand my mindset. It's like, hey, tell me what needs to be done. Let's get it done. So speaking of that, I want to rewind a bit, Kyle, because you came to a crossroads at one point in your life of taking the route that most people take which is working for a, a good companies, starting your career, or going the other path that probably I'm guessing most people would steer you away from. Can you share at that moment in your life kind of your mindset towards why go the riskier route as opposed to the route that most people take? Yeah, great question. So when I was getting out of school in Miami in 2008, uh, December of eight you know, transitioning to the, to the workforce as we in the worst the, economy. Yeah. Yeah. in the worst economy in a long time. And then making that transition from into the, the, the real world, right. As we all call it. Well, cause if there was ever a moment to take the safer path, that was the year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's definitely a time to be conservative and, and, uh, to go back to your original questions of my upbringing and, and having, you know, going into new environments and, and, and reestablishing myself and having that vision, I knew through college football and growing up, uh, the corporate lifestyle uh, or in coaching is something I didn't want to move around a lot. And I knew in those both of those professions was my dad growing up working for large corporate companies. It was always on to the next thing or layoffs or different things. Or in the coaching, as I learned at my time playing college football at my university was uh, I saw coaches get fired. And so, and I knew that that profession. So have a lot of respect for corporate companies, a lot of respect for, but that was something I didn't desire. And so when the opportunity came up um, and uh, thinking about it always, it always makes me smile and laugh about the situation. But my girlfriend's father, Todd at the time, uh, you know, I always tell him, he'll tell you a different story, but I think he wanted <laughs> to keep his daughter around Kristen, my now wife, um, really successful business uh, individual and had started different companies uh, had sold a staffing company before, was coming back in and uh, said, hey, like, here's my vision, like quick and simple. He's very basic. Um, when I started, I started a staffing company, literally there's two employees, we're not going anywhere. You know, you'll have a lot of say, come in, help, you know, the sky's the limit. I have the resources and the financial backing. So I took that situation versus the couple options I had and obviously huge risk, high, high risk employment business in the worst of midst of the worst or the other options. So, uh, a company called Cintas, a very reputable company. Um, and that was going to be in, in Cleveland and then striker medical in in Chicago, great Mm -hmm. company doing, uh, sales for them. And so very, you know, high end positions there, a lot of security, uh, even through the, those, those times. And then the startup staffing company called the job store at the time. And, um, you know, that was the most difficult thing. I went to a group of what I'd say advisors and, and people I trusted. And I, it was about five people and 0 for 5 said, do it. 
And I really sat do back. What? They said, do what? Don't take the, the job store. Go the conservative route. Take, yeah, go, the, take the, yeah, I got you. Go to, go for the safe route. Yep. Um, and I can't blame them. Right. Um, but I knew, you know, to go back to my development that I knew I trusted myself. No one else walked into those schools with me. No one walked onto that team with me. No one, you know, went to, uh, you know, be a walk on at Miami and have to earn a scholarship. I did that. I did that with a lot of support, but I also had to own it myself mm-hmm. and I wanted to own my situation and, and, and that's what I decided to do. I decided to go against the, the safe route mm-hmm. to go against the advisors and say, you know what, this is an opportunity that I can control, you know, those other situations I can control, you know, my performance and what I can do, but here I can create my own thing. And uh, so that's what I did. And at the time, so you didn't come into a fully baked business. You came in and essentially started it with him, correct? Yeah. So we started in Sharonville, Ohio with two broken windows, a paper sign, and uh, skateboarders were throwing spitballs at the window. We had to call cops. Okay. And how many people? Three? Uh, There's three of us. Three of you. Yeah. What is it now? So now we have over 100 internal employees. We um, will pay up to 20,000 employees. We have 20 centers in uh, six states. And how many years? So it's like 10 years, 10 years. years. Yeah. About it's 10 amazing. years. Yeah. So if you had to, I know this is, it could probably take an hour, but to distill it down into this is why, I mean, that is the definition of sustaining excellence growth, right? And now you're the reason that a hundred plus families are able to people are able to take care of their families. What a, what a, what an awesome responsibility, right? What would you say are the few reasons that has made that possible? And you're and you're still on this trajectory like this. I'm pointing upwards, right? As as you know, I know your goals. So what what was the the keys there? Yeah, I think the key that drives every day is that start. I mean, it was so hard, um, and I and I struggle when new people come on to our organization to tell them about that struggle because if you're not really in that moment. Um, to go back to that back corner of the mall plaza where people are on furloughs and layoffs and that pain, uh, that we experienced, um, kind of like some of my moves growing up was, was significant. It was really, really, really hard. And once I knew I could establish the the company and believe in the platform I was creating, which I think obviously we're attracting talent, we're changing lives, sometimes saving lives. Um, and now 10 years into it, you know, after the creation my goal is to see folks like Calvin and others be successful. Like I really find my enjoyment there. So that's what drives this company forward is I think from my leadership is one, the humble foundation that we had Mm -hmm. and uh, that fire will drive us forward uh, to never look back and never um, a lot of people didn't give us an opportunity or chances. And so when they did, I worked so hard, I mean, night and day. So I think sacrifices, you know, go back to, my parents growing up on a farm, like I've watched my grandpa, you know, I sat on a combine cutting corn with him till dark, you know, it got dark. Um, and it cleaned out pig pens at, you know, four in the morning. And, and I did that when I would go visit, like that's the type of work mentality. Uh, good things don't happen without hard work. And then to build a platform moving forward, um, like you said, to say awesome and you know, appreciate that, those kind words, um, you know, we're, we're, uh, as JJ Reddick would say, we're, we, you know, we're, we haven't arrived. We're just mm-hmm. becoming, you know, we're, we're always becoming, we've never arrived in, um, that's the mentality we take. 
you know, and we're every day we're working to get better and we want to be the best. Mm -hmm. And I tell people that all the time. And that's where Calvin's job is to build this culture internally is to build, um, you know, that, you know, be humble, be hungry. And, uh, we want to impact more, more, more lives Mm -hmm. from your perspective. It's different. Weren't there at the beginning, but have, have known, known Kyle for a long time. And then you, you come aboard. What, if you've had to define why this company has had uh, such great growth and is on this 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 really uh, fantastic trajectory, what would you say are the reasons behind it? Uh, first and foremost, I would say Kyle's leadership. You know, I do a lot of our internal recruiting, and that I talk about that a lot. You know, um, so your your role day to day is recruiting people to come work for mm-hmm. the job center. Okay. Yep. Okay. And, and so for me, I know that w- this company's not going to continue to be on that upward trajectory unless we have the right people in here yeah. and people with the same, you know, mindset. And so for me, it's, I know the company's not perfect. And I tell people that, but I say the company has grown fast and they've grown fast for a reason. It's because of the relationships that they've established with our clients, plus the relationships that Kyle has developed and the people that they have brought into the organization. So I figured with my, you know, with my adding me to the company, that's where I feel like I can add value is I feel like I read people pretty well. Mm-hmm. And so where does that come from? Um, I don't know. I, I would say I try to be self-aware. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I try to just be very, very level-headed, I guess you could say, kind of even kill, you know, sometimes they're like, you need more fire. I'm like, the fire is there, you know, don't push it. Composed, yeah. poised, yeah. Right, yeah. and so for Probably me, comes from sports too, I'm imagine. Yeah, you know, I've just kind of always been the even kill guy, so if I see someone getting too high or too low, it's like, how do we reel them back in? You know, at the end of the day, I heard Bruce Lee just recently, not he didn't just say, but I just read a quote that said, just be like water. You know, just continually move. Like, things are gonna happen. You know, we're gonna have... We're going to have bad Bruce Lee quotes out. Wow. <laughs> okay. You are the culture guy. I love it. I love it. You got to be like water, you know? So, you know, whenever something happens, it's, you know, we can't have everyone get in a frenzy. We can't have a, when there's a fire, we can't have everyone, have everyone out of, out of place in a discord there. I want to be the one who's like, Hey, let's, let's reel it in. Let's figure out what's going on. And if we have more people like that, it's going to make everyone's job much easier. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, how is it for you? You are a young dude. You look like a young guy, yet you have this. <laughs> your brother-in-law's laughing, but you have this big, you have this huge role, man. Like a massive responsibility. Is there? Is there? A, I, I guess I'm curious about what it's like when you walk into a room. Perhaps you're meeting a, a prospective client. How how is that? Is it tough? Um, do you feel like they're they're thinking? Wait a second, this is not what I expected. I expected an older looking guy who's been around the block a few times, and I'm not sure if you're the guy. Like, what is that like for you? Yeah, I mean it it was tough to answer. You know, was or I, is uh, still is. It's gotten yeah. better, I think, as the 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 brand has has built and gotcha. we've started to market our company and reestablish. I think people have uh, visibly seen. Uh, we've, you know, we we're, we're relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we, we still, I still walk into rooms and, and I, I get eyebrows and looks and the nonverbals and even some of the verbals, uh, definitely are like, are you, uh, cause my dad works inside the organization, consults with us and helps. And are you Mike Decker? <laughs> you well, did your dad work for you? Yeah. In oh. Columbus, Ohio for, for us and does How some cool national things. And yeah, yeah. And 
it, it's uh yeah work partner with my father-in-law and and, and uh, work with my dad and um it's yeah talk about just, was your dad one of the advisors that told you to go the safe route yes okay yeah yeah how was that now what's like what's how's how the tables turned at thanksgiving or whenever you see each other <laughs> yeah you know he it's it's interesting um and he still is conservative <laughs> so so i'd say like to calvin's point you know working with friends or family can be challenging sure and uh it's it's you know we had to it took a while so I know you do some work with your dad Keith and 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 your brother AJ and and working together. There's there's a lot of fun in it, but there's also struggles. And you know we've uh, we've experienced those. You know, in full transparency, there was a time where it affected our relationship, which was really really hard for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we've overcome that by working through it and and um, just spending time with each other and, and working through how do we have success together. And so. But yeah, to go back to uh, walking into the rooms with decision makers, you know, I, I was walking in the rooms at, you know, 22 uh, years old and I was the leader at the company, even though I was not officially the CEO or this or that. I was, you know, business development or, you know, kind of a general entry level role. And I had to, uh, you know, um, I would say earn their respect mm-hmm. um, in, in something actually I haven't talked about a lot and, um, you know, it really helped was I had a conversation with Sean McVay, who's the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. I played with him for five years and we had a conversation. We we're about 25 years old. He was coming up as a coach. I was coming up and and we had talked in a hotel room for about an hour and a half. I never really told this story. And, um, you know, it just me and him just mm-hmm. in a hotel room <laughs> sitting on beds and, and he was like, Deck, you know, I hear you're, you know, you're growing and we are starting to hit that growth phase. And so we talked through is like, how do you, you know, establish yourself, you know, with older people and, and same with him, he was coaching players and working with coaches and we just really walked, you have to know your stuff, you know, you have to, you know, know your craft, you know, define it and know every in and out. And, and I really, I'm all in on this. I was all in this business then, and I'm all in it now. So I know everything. I, I still have a long way to go, but I'm, I'm, I was 24 seven learning everything I could about the business. So when there was a question, there was no variance in my answer. There was no, well, I don't know that. Like if, you know, I was very confident in the intel and the information I was going to present. And so my preparation was meticulous. I think a lot like how you go against your podcast, very respect that. And, you know, we just talked about best practices about how to to manage. And it wasn't try to overpower folks that have more tenure or more experience. It's just more respect that, but come in and as a confident and know your facts. You gotta know your stuff. I think it sounds simplistic, but it's so true. And that's like one of the quickest ways to earn respect. Um, let's shift now. You both you guys are have made a choice to create this podcast and it's focusing on the stories of underdogs. And I do think a, a lot of us root for underdogs. A lot of us can identify with those moments in our lives where we were underdogs or currently are. I'm curious to hear from you, Calvin, you start. Why do this? There's so much other work to do there. There, you know, you guys have full-time jobs that are more than 40 hour a week jobs, and you're going to add this on top. Why take the time to prepare, to record, to reach out to impressive guests to come on your show? Why, Why do this? Uh, I would say a couple of reasons. The first would be we're in the people business. Mm-hmm. So we interact with people every day and we know that we have the opportunity to change a lot of people's lives. A lot of our associates that we put to work, we are impacting their lives. 
We also know that a lot of those individuals have a story that never gets heard. That goes with everyone walking this earth has a story that doesn't always get heard. So I think for me, the enjoyment of just being curious about someone's story, their their journey, their trials, their tribulations, the adversity that they have faced, uh, I think that, that that needs a voice. And I think this is an opportunity for us to, to not only put the company out there, but also to give those people a voice to be able to share their story and, and for others to understand that, again, everyone thinks they're the only one going through what they're going through. And it's easy to, to know that you're not. And But you get that gets lost when you don't hear those stories. So when you're able to hear those stories, you can relate to that person as we're doing right now. So I would say that's probably one of the main reasons. What you, Kyle? You know, I would say similar to what Calvin said and what you've done a great job of, I think, bringing out in this in this first podcast is, you know, there, there's so many um, things throughout a journey that that are in, in someone's life that I've experienced um, that I wanted to be to be heard. And I've you know, once I got introduced to the podcast world that, that Calvin and you were the Ryan, you were the, the learning leader was one of the first podcasts we listened to. But you know, every podcast and every platform has, uh, has a message. Mm-hmm. And we felt like our message, we felt strongly, you know, me being in the staffing business and then really growing up, you know, go, you know, going into new environments and reestablishing, there's something out there in somebody that needs to be heard. And, and that's something we truly believe in. And, you know, there is a connection with somebody or there's a story of overcoming adversity. And that's just something as you uh, hopefully the folks that are listening and that you've learned as well as with me personally, you know, those are things that I've, I've had to, I've had those pain points in whether it's my career or growing up and moving so much or at, you know, at Miami, you know, being a walk on and kind of being a second, uh, not second fiddle, but, you know, as a walk on having to earn a scholarship, like I believe that, you know, someone can do something better. You can become a better, you can learn, you can learn to be a better leader. You can overcome adversity. And we just phrase it as an underdog, whether it's the right, right term or not. We felt like it was, um, you know, in a sports analogy, the underdog was something to, to label it as, but really it's overcoming adversity to have success. And so whether we're talking to a famous athlete or someone that's homeless, Mm -hmm. right, there's different spectrums that we're going to be talking to at one point, you know, there's a commonality between those two individuals, whether you're a billionaire entrepreneur or you're, you know, a shop supervisor on a, on a plant floor. There's something that's connecting those two individuals somehow, some way. And with all the things going on in this world with, with people, we need to become more united and, and we're closer than what people think. And that's what I, when I travel the United States now or in all the states we're in, or I go into different cities and the work we do into the internal communities at some of our outreaches, we're all connected. Mm-hmm. And I think we just need to all kind of, and hopefully through our, our podcast and our platform, they see that. Mm-hmm. They see that we're all people, you know, and we're all connected in some way. And there's always adverse point, whether it's me, I go through my own struggles, or I'm sure yourself or Calvin, we have all our, our struggles. But, you know, if we can share those and say, hey, it's okay, like, you can overcome it. Um, you know, just like we talked to Johnny Damon recently, he had an extreme stuttering problem, mm-hmm. you know, huge. And he moved around, his dad was in the military. Like, that's someone that, you know, you don't know about. I had no idea, you know, or, you know, like with Calvin, now people are learning. He lost his father. You know, for me, it was more about overcoming adversity, you know, through moves or, or through, uh, starting a, you know, business as a 22 year old and having to, you know, you know, make myself, you know, into 
what I am today. You know, I had no other choice, I had no one else to look at. So when someone's back against against the wall, there's a support cast out there and you can do it. What are you most excited about for the future of the podcast? Uh, me making fun of you? You'll, <laughs> you'll always lose that battle. I would say the journey of just the unknown because who are our guests going to be? You know, we're going to, you know, we have goals. Yep. Who's going to say yes? Who's going to say no? Mm-hmm. But with those yeses and with those no's, we're going to learn from that. Mm-hmm. And we've already learned from, you know, what we've already done with the podcast. But just the story, I mean, just to hear people's stories, the things that we don't know. If, if it's someone famous, yeah, great. Johnny Damon, former professional baseball player. But to learn something that minor about him, you know, things like that, I think, are really, really, really intriguing. How about you, Kyle? You know, I think already you know we've been working on this for you know just even the time spent with you ryan and we really appreciate you know i've become i think a better mindful listener Mm -hmm. i think you that's something you've impressed upon us uh from preparation just to the approach and respecting this industry you know i think we're coming into uh we want to respect it you know we i think we followed uh hopefully a lot of the the principles as a mentor you've laid out for us we still have a long way to go um but you know we're super thankful for for the guidance but we believe this is an industry like we want to provide quality content we're still trying to create you know figure out what our vision is you know i think we we've already uh interviewed a lot of folks that will be very interesting and uh provide value content of how to overcome adversity and sustain excellence uh or become a better leader we still you know we we love you know, that belief. Um, and we just want to continue on with positive stories. You know, every, the media is filled with negative. There's so much negative energy. Mm-hmm. We want to be on the positive energy bus. You know, I just yeah. read that recently John Gordon. with John Gordon, a uh, fantastic book and, and, and keep it simple. I think that's something I've learned through starting to read books. I haven't read books for 15 years, mm-hmm. you know, full transparent. There's a lot of weaknesses I have. And through this process, started reading books. I started listening to podcasts while I work out, um, and people have questioned why we're doing this, right? I could be making X amount of dollars by spending more time over here, but it's, it's about, I think, um, becoming better human beings ourselves, and, and, and then providing others and, and helping others. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's, that's the main reason that's the vision. And, uh, we really hope, you know, throughout this platform, we see that reciprocation. And, and, and I think that's going to be a, a huge validation is to hear positive feedback like hey that helped me um hopefully like i've told you yeah. like you've helped me in my career um it, you know become better in the last you know year and a half since i've engaged with your content i've become a lot better with, mm-hmm. with a lot of different things like i said i as people can tell i'm long-winded so i'm trying to be better with that's something i think you said you know i still struggle with um be mindful listener mindful questions better at preparation you know, engage in different content, have more diversity in my uh, cognitive abilities. Mm-hmm. And those are all things I'm, I'm more self-aware on. I, I love to hear that. And I think what I'm excited about for you guys, one is that you're, you're all in, like you've really invested yourselves into doing this. I think some of the added benefits you're going to see is that you, the relationships that you're going to develop with your guest. um, those can live on forever. They can become friends. They can become regular people you go to in times of need. You can help each other out. And then two, as leaders, as both of you are, 
developing fantastic communication skill is so vital. Like you, you have to be able to share the vision, your ideas, your thoughts effectively. And when you're constantly in the situation of speaking with people, hopefully who are, who, who force you to up your game, you become better. And I know this, I just recorded with Ryan Holiday yesterday, and it is tough to hang with somebody like that, somebody who's just smarter than you. And when you're, when you guys put yourselves in the position to regularly have to, to raise up a level, you'll look back after six months, after a year and say, wow, you can literally hear the difference <laughs> of your, of your intelligence growing. And that is a cool feeling. And then on top of that, when you start getting the feedback from the listeners that you've impacted their life, that is powerful fuel. So I'm excited for you guys. I'm very appreciative that you've asked me to be a part of this and, and help you guys out. And, and I, I'm, I'm excited to continue helping in whatever way that I can moving forward. No, we appreciate it. Can't thank you enough. Um, best mentor, you know, we've had. So, you know, I think what, you know, Jim Collins had said, you know, the, the, the most important question is who, right? Yeah, yeah. I know he had said that on your podcast and like, who will be your mentor? Who, who will help you? And, uh, who you're going to spend your time with. And it's not about the what, and, and for you, you've been our who, and, um, you know, for our first podcast, for, for our mentor and, uh, you know, you to guide us through this, uh, we really appreciate it. Also real quick, while we're still recording the coolest gift I've ever received. So you guys walk into my office. I, you, I think you told me, or one of you said that, Hey, we have a gift for you. And I thought, well, they're probably going to give me one of those cool shirts. That will be, that's, that's nice. You know, good gift. And you walk in with this huge, framed jersey and as you turn the jersey around i see red and green and it's a, a split 12 which is my college number at both miami and ou and i and you and you know what it told me though is that you actually listened because a lot of people only now will say i'm an ou guy because that's where i graduated but when you heard what i said i love everything about miami i love it i tell high school kids they should go to miami there was just one problem is was the fact that you know I lost out the starting job and that's the only reason why I left but everything else about it was my teammates I loved them I loved the coaches I loved the facility I loved the school I really wanted to graduate from that school but my top priority was to be a starting quarterback so I had to go so I appreciate that you were good listeners and understood that love that I'd love two schools and <laughs> and that now is evidenced by this cool jersey that I would have never obviously made for myself so I'm very appreciative of your thoughtful gesture and very kind gift that I know also wasn't cheap so thank you guys so much for that well we owe you the world so that's the <laughs> least we yeah. could do yeah. and uh, so cool it is such a conversation piece yeah. every person who sees it now which is is pretty neat awesome yeah thank you so much appreciate yeah man it. thank yeah. you very much of course thanks guys Thanks for listening to The Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on the UDP.